Attention, Pokemon players. You are listening to Triple P, the Pittsburgh Pokemon podcast. On today's episode, Jake can't get past the top four. Chuck plays Snorlax. And we are joined by a Pittsburgh Regionals top eight player and local, Michael Chang. What's up, Chuck? How are we doing? Oh, we're doing all right. Doing all right. Um, it was a pretty decent Monday, um, but yeah. And then uh, had a had another weekend of cups and challenges, which uh, yep. I did mediocre in. So <laughs> another mediocre weekend of of Pokemon. So um, yeah, but all together, sorry, my friends. <laughs> no, it, it's okay. Uh, I I I had a challenge on Friday, cup on Sunday. Um, I finished two and three in both of them. Uh, uh, the challenge I was expecting, I got held up late at work. I showed up late to the challenge. Uh, I took a game loss going into round one. So I was happy I was even allowed to play in round one and didn't just get the match, like the round loss. Yeah. Uh, I played a best of, the challenge was best of three which was cool. So I got to play a can't win best or can't lose best of three. So uh, basically turned into a best of one because I lost that game. Um, And then uh, I was like, well, this is what I was expecting. I was planning on going there late. And I was like, I just got to go four and four. Oh, right. Met our good friend that I shouted out two weeks ago, Chris again, who likes to. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, listens to us. He's getting another shout out because I gave him a little shade because uh, he, he likes to play the decks that are my kryptonite. So <laughs> I was playing Lost Tina, and, and not that this deck is my kryptonite, but he was playing the Arceus Aerodactyl with Klefkis. Yeah. So we sit down, and he opens up a Klefki against me, and I'm just like, oh, oh, it's gonna be one of those games. <laughs> oh, jeez, I've had a couple of those against you where <laughs> I flip over a starting Pokemon. You're like, oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, so uh, needless to say, there was two uh, two of the three games I didn't get to draw cards for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was a it was a good close match. It was uh, it was fun, uh, but he ended up taking that and basically sealing the deal for me, uh, which then I can just concede the last round because it didn't matter. Right. Um, then the cup uh, played Tina again uh, on Sunday uh, and just got kind of like bad hands. I lost two games with uh, bad openers uh, in matchups that I felt like I could win. And then, which is why you said I, I played Snorlax. So I guess, I guess I'll explain this. I put Snorlax in the deck and uh, I leaned on him a little too much. So I attacked with him because I needed a knockout that didn't, and I didn't want a lost impact that turn. Um, and then he woke up and I was like, uh, and my opponent had gotten Greninja ready. Um, but kind of misplayed because he didn't put a secondary energy back into his deck. So all he had in his water was water energy in his deck. So he couldn't attach three energy to Greninja for right. the turn. So he left him sitting there uh, with just the water energy. And I didn't have Manaphy uh, on the bench. Uh, but so uh, my instant reaction was I had boss in hand. I was like, all right, I'm just going to take this knockout. But I should have retreated first uh, and did it with uh, Tina because Snorlax fell asleep again and I 
realized after that turn that I was completely out of switch outs. So he was just stuck there. And uh, that basically cost You got to manage your resources, my friends. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I got ahead of myself. Uh, I was just like, well, this, I was like, I'm good. I, I was just like, I'm going to take this off the board. And uh, I could have done more things, attached an energy, retreated, maybe got like flower selected, and then went into Tina and took said knockout. But uh, yeah. I, I got stuck with Snorlax in the active, so it happens. Um, but for me, this weekend I um, drove up to Altoona with um, Chris, uh, one of our uh, teammates uh, for Team uh, Junction. Uh, we both, you know, it was a two-hour drive for us. Um, round one, we get paired against each other um, in a a, a sixty-card mirror match, <laughs> playing Turbo Lost Box, and uh, I won game one, and then. Uh, Break game two, then he just took a really close game three. So I uh, went down to our teammate, um, and then, you know, just the journey was a little rough for me. I had to go um, the rest of the way. I had to go 301, uh, managed to do that, and then so did he, um, where he went three or 211 uh, to make it. So we both made top eight, uh, and then I got past top uh, into the top four again for the fourth time now. Actually, well, technically fifth time. Um, but the fourth time where I got stuck because, I, and I kind of saw it happening because uh, Rapid Strike Urshifu was in the field, had the top record, uh, and then I was stuck on that side of the bracket uh, going into top eight, and I knew if I won, I would be playing him um, and ended up losing a very close set. I made it close, uh, but I just feel like that that matchup is like 80-20 if both sides are equal. Um, one game one and then lost the next two in very close fashions. I Felt like I played it pretty clean, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, a little upsetting that I didn't get, you know, into uh, finals um, and break through that. But obviously, um, you know, I felt pretty good about my game. Um, but then after that, um, you know, uh, went over uh, and w- spent the Sunday with the family, went to the Pirates game, got to watch my my son run around, ran, run around the field after the game. So that was fun. Um, and then I don't really talk about work much, but today, um, there was like a, a an employee appreciation thing, uh, so like the, the CEO and like the big bosses of the the the, the company were at like a dunk tank, and nobody else could like hit them. Nobody else, or either they went up there and like just threw softly and missed on purpose or something. <laughs> I just went up there, uh, full force and knocked them in. All of them. It was great. I think most people were scared to like even just step up and throw uh, to try to dunk them, but uh, <laughs> I didn't care. You're getting dunked. Uh, yeah, I dunked them all. It was great. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's about it for my week. Um, but uh, with that being said, we do have a guest, and I do apologize for uh, making him wait so long because, uh, you know, we, we went a little, uh, little long on that. Um, but we are joined uh, by Michael Chen, uh, an awesome local Pittsburgh player, and just happened to get top eight at the first Pittsburgh regional. So um, welcome on with us. And um, yeah, I'm happy to have you on the cast. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, um, for sure. So um, for those that don't know who you are, um, you know, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your Pokemon journey thus far. Um. So funnily enough, I actually started with BGC all the way back in like 2015. So Played that for a while and then I got into the TCG and like around when Steam Siege came out. Mm-hmm. So um I then played that for a while. Then I realized it kind of wasn't financially really viable for like a high schooler. 
at the time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I got to like Ultra Prism and then kind of just quit. So then I kept playing VGC for a while. I went to NAIC last year. It was pretty good. I was doing like okay. No like great results or anything, but and then I think in like November, there was sort of like a down down uh off season for VGC. So I just decided like why not take another chance at TCG. Right. I mean like, Yeah, I mean the TCG is fun, um, especially if it's down season. Um I know I've I've seen you um playing not at our home store, but um, you know, Green Tree uh sports cards. Um we played each other uh many times and I know you you were playing VGC, but like it doesn't sh- it 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 doesn't try I mean I guess your your TCG knowledge and you know gameplay is just up there because I already knew um you know from the first time I met you that you were uh definitely a a contender to be uh you know one of the you know a good a great player um and it without without a lot of practice too it sounds like so that's that's awesome thank you but <laughs> Yeah, so after yeah, after that in November, started just started playing at like local stores. Um I ended up I was originally signed up for VGC at Hartford. I eventually ended up switching, as I think you might remember. Mm-hmm. Like last minute, switched to TCG. Did like okay, five three one. One of those wins was a free win, so I guess I'll take it. But <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I went off to the UK for the summer to do research. That like changed my like life. Well, for the TCG at least, completely. Like I learned so much while playing there. The like at every cup I went to, there were so many like good players that I got to play against. Even like the locals at like in like Sheffield where I was, mm-hmm. like they weren't like amazing, amazing, but they were still like really, really good players. And like I just learned so much from them. I mean, that's great here. I mean, we don't often get to see that as players, you know, in the United States, um, you know, we we're we're stuck to our like local metas or whatnot and not, don't really travel to see, um, you know, uh, other countries, local uh, metas and how that that is. So that must have been a really interesting experience, you know, from, you know, yeah. from playing, um, you know, here in Pittsburgh and then going to another country and then just kind of kind of submerging yourself into that meta as well. Um I don't yeah. think a lot of people have that kind of experience. Definitely not. Yeah, it was pretty again life changing. Yeah, exactly. I stunned you well. Obviously, um, uh, you played in the Pittsburgh Regional. It was the first one ever, um, and you know you obviously made it into day two and beyond. Um, you want to go a little bit into your run about uh, you know your Pittsburgh Regional run? Okay. Yeah. So the first three rounds, I just hit like free matchups, like good players and all, but like the matchups were just insanely easy for me. Mm-hmm. After that, it kind of just like went downhill matchup wise. I hit like Sablezard after that, which is pretty bad if they can just like get set up. Right. But I just outpaced them uh, game three. Uh, after that, I hit like Lugia and then Maridon, both also like pretty tricky. Um. Then I hit Lucas Shing playing Chen Pao. This was <laughs> probably like the funniest match of the day. So I asked him to ID because my stomach was like killing me. Mm-hmm. And then so he says no, which like obviously I get because he wants the points. So we play it out. Um, game one, I barely win because I mean, he bricks like terribly, but he still uh, almost manages to pull it back. Right. So he Greninja's too comfy. I instantly scoop. And then game three, he draws opening hand, 
uh, mulligans, and then S to ID. <laughs> I should not have taken it, but like, right. I wasn't straight, and like I was dying, so I took it. Yeah, and then that got that got you into day, or you already into day two at that point, right? No, that got me into day two. Okay, that got you into day two. Awesome. So, um, I mean, obviously. Uh, all the points we we, we want to get as many points as possible um, in in day one to help you in the day two, um, but you made it into top eight, so something must have gone right for you in day two. Yeah. Um. So round one, I played Maraid on pretty simple, like path stuck. They couldn't set up after like turn one, mm -hmm. so just kind of drew better. Um. Then round two, I played Lugia. It was. Pretty close, honestly. Game one, I start the sable, I attach pass, and then they like sort of donk me on their turn two. Uh and then in game three, I get a rock sand to stick for like a turn, and that wins me the game, basically. Mm -hmm. Um then I played Tord. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. So we played one game, as you might expect. Right, and actually, that's kind of funny. I didn't even know you played toward, and I had a a, a topic later that we're going to talk about that kind yeah. of involves him. Uh, but yeah, go. So it was one game. Yeah, obviously, you won that game, right? No, 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 I oh, did not. Geez. It was, it was really close. I'd like to say it was like it was a bit of luck and a bit of like kind of a misplay. So I probably shouldn't have benched a second Garatina V Star, but I did, and that might have cost me the game. But then also um, flower selecting into a rock sand and a mirage gate, both of which I need in the end game, and I think I basically just lose off of that. Right, right, right. I, like I could have won off of boss stalling, but he drew out of it, and then yeah, he won. Right. Okay. So then uh, you you know that was your first day, first loss of day two. Um, yeah. How'd the rest go? Um. Then I play lost box. I kind of just draw better, and then mm -hmm. out. Um, then I play another Gardevoir. Uh, kind of also just draw better. Right. Um, I guess well also like path helps a lot. Right. If you get it off, yeah, they can't draw, uh, so that helps. Right. And then I think yeah, round fifteen I play Tyler Matthews, also on Lost Box. Um, game one I sort of outpace him. And then game two, we both brick super hard, but like Abyss Seeking helps me get out of it. Right. And then I can yeah. Abyss Seeking for win. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good attack. Right. I mean, definitely when when people, that's, I think that's the one card or the, the one attack that really kind of helps with dead draws compared to even like um, if you're dead drawing with um, like a turbo box, um, you don't have that abyss seeking option just to kind of like bail you out where you can typically tank a hit but still be able to get your loss on going. Um, and I think that's very underrated for Tina overall. Oh, most people don't think of it that way. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So then you win because of abyss seeking, then then that gets you in the eight right, yep. at that point. Yep. Um, so then um, how? I mean, obviously, I think you you ended up um, losing your top eight match. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what? What? Who did you play, and what were they playing? Um, I played Andrew Hedrick on Lugia. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I actually played him as well that day or uh, day one at the end. Uh, great player. Mm -hmm. So there's no no shame in losing to uh, Andrew. He's a 
had a good deck and played it well and you know like he does so no i mean top eight uh for for a local uh regional super awesome run uh that gets you what a uh, 100 uh cp or did you get more yep. than that it's just 100 i think okay yep. well, that's not still um great run congratulations um thank i know you. you're you're an awesome player and i can't wait to see you know what you do in the future thank you um, but yeah, Chuck, I think it's time to get into our standard questions to kind of get uh, to know Michael a little bit better just as a player in general. Yeah, yeah, we can do that. Um, I'll start um, this way. Uh, you get the questions that you usually like to ask. So um, I'm going to throw the softball question on on these. These just, you know, uh, easy questions. Let people get to know a little bit more about you. Uh, in in your Pokemon likes and dislikes. So uh, the easy softball is just, what is your favorite Pokemon? Um, it would have been Zacian until like a couple of days ago when they came out with a Ogre Pun. I love that thing. <laughs> what is it? The the new uh, Pokemon from the DLC. Ogre Pun. I don't think I've even seen it. I so I it. <laughs> I'm going to have to look it up after. Uh, yeah, you really should. It's adorable. <laughs> I definitely need to. So, is it just because of how adorable it is? Um, did they much. reveal what it even does, or oh no, that's just the deal. So that's in the v- the VGC. Yes. Yeah. 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 No, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Hopefully for you, it, it will be um, you know something meta relevant. You can throw in a deck or whatnot. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Uh, kind of like with me and Dragable. That's uh always been my favorite since i saw him and then luckily uh you know there was a couple good dragapult cards or something dragapult related um you know to kind of help uh feel that a little bit um but let's go on to more of the tcg area um what is your favorite uh pokemon card um in the history of the pokemon tcg for you um for any reason art uh playability um it, it did something well for you uh anything like that this is going to be controversial with Sableye. Lost Origins Sableye. I mean, I, I know why. <laughs> because it helped you. Uh, it's a, it's a it's an overpowered card, um, which I do think it might... It is a gatekeeper, but also it is a... Um, you can definitely have some skill expression with that card because if you place the damage counters in the wrong area uh, to set up weird math, um, you know, you can win or lose based off of where you set those. So I can, I can see that for sure. I, I think there's like a pretty good reason why, like, it, I think it's a pretty big part of why like Lost Box is the hardest uh, deck to play right now. For sure. For sure. I agree. I, I mean, I can attest to that at, after my day one in Pittsburgh, yeah. um, even though I made it to day two, uh, I was, my mind was fried going into the round nine. <laughs> Um, and I know I made some bad decisions, so it's not even just like difficult to play. It could be draining over a long period of time as well. Yeah. All right, my turn. So uh, I'm gonna get you the opposite end of the spectrum now, since we did your favorite Pokemon card. Um, we're gonna do what is your least favorite Pokemon card? I think I'm going to have to go with Lugia V-Star. I, I like, I like okay. this man. I hate Lugia. Like, <laughs> He's got <it's>, taste. <laughs> I hate Lugia too. It sucks to play. It's like, it sucks to play against. Like, I just hate it. 
right. I mean, I think it was more oppressive with uh when the amazing rares were were a thing. Um, yeah, when Yvetal was a thing, but um yeah, I mean I can see it. It's it's kind of just a straightforward deck. It's I don't know. Um that's it feels bad when you when you're playing it and you just don't find your Lugia to start the game and then you break out, you feel like you almost just lose. Um, but then whenever like you set up, it just it's just so oppressive to so many different things. Like it's, it's good against so many different things and for different reasons. Um, so no, I can see that for sure. All right. So that will take the next one. Um, and this next one would be your best, uh, Pokemon memory to date. I mean, it could be TCG, but since you're VGC as well, uh, it really can be anything Pokemon related. What is your best Pokemon memory? Um, I'm gonna have to go with playing against Tord. That was like probably the most fun I've had playing a, like a game in the TCG. Okay, I mean so that's completely right. reasonable. Um, even after just playing one game, right? Yeah. that's still your favorite. Yeah, like to be to his credit, like we both played super slow. That's right. Okay, and like, we like realized halfway through that like it's like a grindy matchup. No one's gonna. Like we're not gonna have enough time to play the second or like especially third game, no matter what. Right, right. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, playing against the best uh, to see, you know, you measure yourself against you know anybody, but like especially toward which is literally has had basically every kind of success you can have in the game. Uh, yeah. Definitely a great measuring stick, and and it sounds like even though you lost, it was still a super close game. Uh, so you can even take away um, small victories there too. Right. Well, it's not every day you get to basically compete against the final boss in like the Pokemon TCG because, <laughs> yeah. like you said, that man's won a lot of things in Pokemon and definitely one of the greatest players. So when you get to measure your medal against the final boss, it's kind of it can definitely be fun. Right. Definitely. Yeah. All right. I got I got the last question. Uh, and, and it's a bit of a fun one that I like to ask. So if um, Pokemon's changing the rules, uh, and, and when when you get to go on to play a stream game on their stream, they're going to now have uh, walkout music, kind of like wrestling or whatever. So you're, you're going to be playing on stream. You're walking out. What music is going to hit to let everyone know that Michael's coming to play? I'm going to go with the AI professor theme from uh, Scarlet and Violet. Okay. All right. Got to go with something Pokemon themed at least. Yeah, yeah. No, Pokemon themes are pretty good. I'm For sure. sure. I don't even, I can't even think that one off the top of my head. I'm going to have to go replay it right now, hour after, <laughs> just to get it in my head because <laughs> I know I've heard it. <laughs> I, I just played through the game. I'm not too much of a VGC guy. Um, I usually will just play like the main story and then just call it good, but um, yeah, I'll have to hundred percent go back there. I know there's there there. I should put more time into to the VGC. <laughs> well, I have not even played through Scarlet and Violet yet, but I'm positive that Pokemon themes are pretty pretty good. So, for sure, um, for yeah, sure. it's great. Um, but that that kind of sums up the questions, right, Jake? Yep, that's it. It for um, you know, the getting to know Mike uh, portion of the show. Well, With that being said, it's time to. Pull into the pit stop. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interject uh, before you get to the pit stop because I actually pulled up a picture. that You said Ogre Pond, right? I did. 
Yeah. Okay. That is a very cute new Pokemon. Um, now that I know something that what it looks like, do you have a favorite like mask that it's gonna wear or like no, it's like it looks so much better without the mask. Yeah, I, I it, it looks cute without the mask, but it looks like you can put on different masks and whatnot because uh it's pretty cool. So nice. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to again. I I'm I'm bad at multitasking, so I'm not gonna do it during the podcast. I'll do it afterwards. Well, but... I was I was pretty bad at it. You probably guys probably noticed when I was actually looking at, at it. So that's For all sure. good. Uh, but it is time for the pit stop. Uh, so uh, we will move into there. And uh, with every good pit stop, it starts with some trivia. It's time, time for trivia. Trivia. Um, I have a pack to open. Let's go. We... It's been a minute. Yeah, it's been a minute, but I have a pack. Um, it is a play pack. So this could be quite literally anything in a series three pack. So it's. Okay, so a series three. You. Okay, so that is a helpful hint for sure. All right, and all right, so I got we got something pretty decent over here. Okay, so uh, the way this works, uh, I'm gonna give you an ability or an attack name, uh, and you were gonna guess my hit in this pack, um, or I guess, well, it's an ability or an attack name. So you got a hint. It's already a Pokemon card, not a trainer card. That's um, uh, this. Uh, ability. I don't. The attack. Yeah, we're gonna go with the both. ability. It has both ability and attack. Okay. Um, Narrowing it down. This might be easy, actually. Uh, the ability is Dino Cry. Michael's giggling. I think he might already know. Just tell him. I I might get there, but it's the obvious ones still take a minute. <laughs> so obviously, it's a dinosaur. <laughs> Is it just the name of the card? No, no, that's the no, name that's... of the ability. Oh, no, 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 it, no. Am I just giving like the name? Of the oh card? yeah, 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 yeah. What Pokemon. what Pokemon is that? Yeah, Coridon. Oh, <laughs> there we yeah. go. Easy, easy yeah, peasy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it is a Coridon EX with the stamp. Yeah, let's go. Oh jeez, so, yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes these hits can be easy. Sometimes they're a little bit harder. But Man. again, the other hit was an energy, so I can't really uh, give you that one to guess. Right. Um, All right. Well, hopefully, uh, my card will be a little bit uh, tougher. Uh, so we're gonna play guess that um, guess that Pokemon this ability and or attack belongs to. And today's standard legal uh, Pokemon is uh, attack name is Shadow Flicker. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well. You didn't get an auto from Michael who <laughs> about Pokemon. So, um, well, I mean, you guys are both good at trivia, clearly better than me. So I always have to pull the harder ones out. All right. So Shadow Flicker leads me to believe, believe it's at least a ghost type Pokemon, which means it could be a psychic type Pokemon in the game. But I think I've seen this type of wording on a Lampet or a chandelier esque Pokemon, which means it could also be a fire type. So I'm all over the place at the moment. But um, so for Michael, we do have uh, Lifeline. So we uh, uh, guess the stage, um, guess the type, or the well, I'll give you the stage, the type, and what set it's from. Okay. Um, if you need them, you do not need to use them because. Even though we don't have a real point system, you get point bonus points if you don't use them. 
bonus points for a game that uh, we don't keep score of. Um, I I don't have a clue. I would I can take a stab in the dark, but I would like to use a lifeline unless okay. Michael, you have an idea. It sounds like it could be Lampent or Chandelure, but I think I want to know like what stage it is. It is right. a basic Pokemon. Never mind. <laughs> and I'm trying to scramble because I forget what set this is from. <laughs> so I know that's coming. So just talk it out. Uh, so it could still. I doubt it's Litwick. I feel like I would remember Litwick with an ability. Oh, it's an ability. Wait, is it? Is it an ability? It is an attack. Oh, whoops. <laughs> well, that's that's good. Um, well, what type is? What? Well, wait, is that one of the hints? Yeah. What type is it? Psychic. Okay. Uh, not helping. Oh, this sounds like Litwick. Was Litwick ever a psychic Pokemon? Recently. I don't know. I can give you the last set, uh, the set if you would like. Yeah, I'm gonna need it. Evolving skies. I couldn't figure out what that that symbol was again, <laughs> but I figured it out. I looked it up online. I multitasked. There we go. <laughs> um, evolving skies. I don't think there was a chandelier line in evolving skies. So it's gonna mm-hmm. lead me to go to a different ghost type Pokemon. Because there's, was there a Shuppet? I don't know if it could be Shuppet. Or, who's the evolution of Ms. Maggie? It's not, it's not an evolution. It's a basic. I know. Who's the not, who's the basic of Ms. Magius? Oh. Ms. Drevius. I don't know. You gotta guess. (laughs) You gotta guess. I, I take a stab in the dark. Take a stab. Shup it? Yeah. All right, let's go shup it. Locking it in. Unfortunately, it is not shup it. Um, it's everybody el- or everybody else's favorite basic psychic rapid strike Pokemon Marshadow. What? Okay. <laughs> so, Shadow Flicker for one colorless energy does 10 damage. If the defend if the defending Pokemon was knocked out during your next turn, take one more prize card. Um, <laughs> Never seen Meta Relevance. It's also in the Halloween set. <laughs> uh, yep. I thought you would know That's this because it was in the Halloween set. <laughs> That's a card. Was it in the new Halloween set? Or... Yeah, because I hope that was the one Halloween card I opened because I got it at league last week. <laughs> oh well. I didn't open my, I didn't open my box, the bag of boosters I got. Um, oh, that's fine. Uh, yeah, you got me. So got him. All right. Well, I think that's a pretty good trivia for the week. Uh, now it's time to get into who would win. Yes, who would win? And I got a fun idea for a who would win. And I don't know, you might call it a cop out, but I think it would be fun. So uh, we're gonna do. Uh, because I'm in a wrestling kick, we're gonna do a Royal Rumble. You sure are. It better not be the the Hitmons again. No, no more Hitmons. <laughs> this is a Royal Rumble. So this is 
How many are there? A Royal Rumble. How many are there normally in a this Royal is a, Rumble? A nine-man Royal Rumble. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> You're really going outside the uh, the box here. For a nine-man Royal Rumble. So it is uh, a Royal Rumble match between... Let me write this down. <laughs> you'll remember. Jolteon, Flareon, Vaporeon, oh. Sylveon, Espeon, Glaceon, Umbreon, and Leon. <laughs> and everyone's underdog, Eevee, is in a Royal Rumble. Who's coming out on top? Who is the last evolution standing in a Royal Rumble with each other? I mean, for me, it has to be Umbreon, and it's just purely off of it's because it's the best evolution to me. Um, I know. I, I know this is in a, in a, in a 1v1 times but... 9. Um, it's a little hard to pick because anything could happen. But uh, no, um, no, I, it's going to be Umbreon. I don't, I don't know, Mike, what do you think? I don't know. I, I'll go with Eevee. <laughs> Eevee? Uh, yeah, go. Extreme Evo boost, that Z-move from like Gen 7 gets like plus two in every stat, just kills everything. Surely that's how it goes. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yes, taking the, the, taking the basic. Down. There it is. Uh, I am going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Espeon. I don't know. That's not Mind, mind games. The mind games is going to work, I think. Going to gonna get people out of the ring. I don't know. <laughs> no, uh, I would like to see that, though. That would be kind of a fun, interesting matchup. <laughs> I thought it would be a fun. I know it's going to boil down, but I really want to know from everyone this week, all the listeners, I want to know. Yes, please. You know, Evolution Royal Rumble. There's a lot of options, guys. <laughs> who would win? Who would come out on top? And if you have a scenario, tell me about it. Let me know. <laughs> why you think this person why you think this evolution is going to win and and how it's going to go down and i didn't i didn't expect that um i'm not i'm not um able to the process that 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 question quite um properly i guess at this point but <laughs> with that being said i think it's time to take a break get a word from our sponsors and then get, get into the news afterwards the Pittsburgh Pokemon Podcast is brought to you by Sports Car Junction. Located in the North Hills of Pittsburgh, Sports Car Junction is a one-stop shop for players and collectors with a wide variety of singles, supplies, packs, and boxes available in-store and online at sportscarjunction.com. And don't forget to check out our weekly league Thursdays at 6.30. All right. Thanks again, Sports Car Junction, for being a great sponsor of the cast. Um, and it, just like every week, it is now time to get into the news. And, and um, we're going to dip back and cover some news, muse, <laughs> uh, <laughs> news uh, that we uh, didn't cover last week. So it's a little kind of older chit chat of, of cards that were revealed from upcoming sets in Japan. Um, and one of the ones I want to talk about first is, uh, most of them are all trainer cards right now. We have uh, a bunch of Pokemon revealed, uh, but, um, nothing too crazy, uh, to talk about. Um, but the item I want to talk about is the Earth Vessel. Uh, now this is a ancient item, uh, as well, but... Uh, you must, the, the text of it reads, you must discard a card from your hand in order to use this card. Search your deck for up to two basic energy cards, reveal them, and put them into your hand. Then shuffle your deck. 
so it is an ancient card, but uh, there's no, uh, it doesn't apply to anything ancient. So you really can play this in any deck because it's basically a bucket with a discard. So what do we right. think about Earth Vessel? I'll let Mike talk first if he, if he, if he has a, a strong opinions about the card. Yeah, it's definitely really good. Um, there's a lot of decks that just like need energy in hand, especially for like Greninja. And then plus you have those decks that like already play stuff like Energy Surge, like Rapid Strike, for example. And now you just get like another card or another energy on top of that, which right. is amazing. That definitely helps the Intellions too, because that way you can find the two uh, and then double double pink if you wanted to or something yeah. to that effect. You definitely um, can do both double gunners with, right. with an earth vessel. I mean, Mike said it like it, this goes really good with Greninja again because you can draw, you can disc depending on the deck. Obviously, like if it's a lost box, um, you know, if it's you know in the middle of the game, you can get rid of like those VIP passes or the cards that you want to thin out anyways. Mm -hmm. um, get two basic cards and then use one of those to uh, thin your energies or thin your deck again by drawing two more cards on top of that. Um, obviously Chen Pao would be great because sometimes, hey, you just, you don't have enough Chen Pao, so you don't have to switch, uh, between two Chen Pao's. You can get four energies just by using his ability, um, and then using this on top of it, uh, just to get the four, uh, that's typically a knockout on most V's, um, anyways, right there. And you didn't have to do any kind of like energy retrieval cards or, or the, you know, those kind of cards there. Um, so th the deck is great for thinning. It's great for finding the energies. Um, for multiple different kind of decks, and it's also just kind of good, great for consistency. And, as well. and essentially, even if you only have an energy in your hand to do this, it's two for one. Right. So you're, you turn one energy into two. So and, and and for a lot of decks, I mean, the thinning aspect of discard. Um, I don't know if they were trying to balance it with like saying, "Hey, you have to discard." There's like kind of like a penalty. I feel it's like better than Professor's Letter, uh, because oftentimes you want to just thin your hand because there's depending on the matchup, you just. I don't need this card for this matchup. Let's just get rid of it. Um, or, you know, I'm just trying to thin my deck so I don't get Ionode uh, or Roxanne when I, you know, when I have a bigger hand so I can start thinning my deck that way. Um, there's so many different applications to discarding uh, that I think is actually more positive than a negative. I think there's definitely points where, like, the discarding will hurt. But generally, yeah, I agree. It's almost always a positive. Right. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Like, if, if it's an opening hand and like there's nothing you want to get rid of or anything you can, yeah. um, that 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 would probably hurt a little bit. But overall, I think it is, um, you know, a net positive to discard. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna move on to the next one, um, which uh, we had a where uh, we had new attack item tool or no pokemon tools revealed <laughs> excuse me and they're they're technical tms technical machines uh, uh but we had two of them revealed um one called evolution and one called de-evolution uh the one i'm going to talk about first um i can kind of guess what they do but i really like evolution um so obviously you attach it to your pokemon in play there's no stipulations it can go on any pokemon um, for one colorless energy, Evie, you get the attack evolution. Choose up to two of your benched Pokemon, search your deck for a card that evolves from each of those Pokemon, and put those cards on them to evolve them. Then shuffle your deck. So, um, for an attack, uh, you get to evolve two of your Pokemon. 
um, thoughts? I have an idea for this already, but um, nothing jumps off straight, like right off the bat. Um, typically, I don't like attacks that end your turn that like don't do anything that positive for you. Obviously, uh, depending on the Pokemon you're evolving, it definitely can help speed up if it's uh, you know going into a stage two. That way, the next turn you can get going pretty quickly. Um, I don't know. Uh, there's no no archetype that I'm I'm just thinking off the top of my head. I might just uh, be a little tired here. <laughs> Michael, do you have any thoughts on it? I kind of don't like that it's like on a tool. It's a bit hard to find. Like you have Arvin, sure, but you don't really want to play Arvin a lot of the times. Right. Ar Ar Arvin is the card that I uh, that I want to use it with. Uh, so obviously Arvin can get you the tool. Um, but uh, it's a, I think this is a going second, a really good going second card yeah. uh, for decks that want to evolve. Now, it doesn't necessarily help stage two decks out that much. But if you end up building like a stage one deck that some might people might be trying to build later down the line involving a coin based Pokemon, um, you can basically with an Arvin. Get a VIP pass, the tool, because you have to start a Pokemon, so you have something in the active already. And as long as you have an energy, you've basically guaranteed yourself the evolutions on those two cards so that you've gotten. The, the more you kind of spoke this or talked this out, I I like it less. Um, so one Arvin is a card that generally you don't want to play unless you're Maridon for the uh, the energy acceleration. And two, we've had a card that was semi similar. <laughs> Um, and never saw play when there was so many so much hype uh, around it, and that was Radiant Eternatus. Radiant Eternatus um, was one of those going turn going first turn uh, on your first turn uh, to try to get a V Max out and play uh, to speed up you know the, the game state. And there were so many ideas throughout the community, and nothing stuck. Um, that it just seems it's it's harder to find because it's an item card, and you don't want to play Arvin, um, and it's just a little more and you also also have to find the pokemon and have them in play to find the evolutions to attach them to so there's just it just seems like so much more work than than like the radiant turn as this was uh and that itself never saw play okay you you maybe well i just like the idea of this um in certain decks where i think uh it'll profit but hey We'll see. Um, we see. I mean, I'd love it to be proven wrong, but I think uh, in our recent past, we've kind of seen that this. Now, I think the, this is the one, the de-evolution. So we will we'll go on to the other opposite end of this. I think de-evolution may have caught a little bit more traction on the Twitter side of things. So same premise, except you uh, one colorless energy for the attack de-evolution. You devolve de all of your opponent's evolved Pokemon by putting the highest stage evolution card on them into their hand. So does it do any damage on top of that? No damage. You're just devolving your Pokemon. So that I'll could be Mike a talk huge first. pain in the butt, <laughs> depending on how you evolve Pokemon. Uh talking like rare candy decks. But um I mean that is a very costly turn if it doesn't right. If it's not uh... Really I don't know, Mike. On. What do you what do you think of de evolution? 
I think it's good if you can pair it with like the right attacker, I guess. So like, yeah, with like Sableye, this could really hurt. But I don't know. It also just doesn't really seem worth it sometimes. But actually, no. Like Lost Fox sort of does struggle with like those high HP decks. So being able to remove that, like, well, the high HP Pokemon could be nice, especially if you already have like damage out of them to just knock them out. Right. Yeah. Th that's why I asked if there was damage because on its own, like at Lost Box, it does struggle with some of those big mods, especially like uh, Charizard if it gets set up. And we kind of saw that this weekend um, on the stream, uh, on the Pokemon stream for um, the special event. Uh, but I, we've seen this kind of before on an ability, like at least as recently as like Bennett back uh, in the Sword and Shield era. And that card never saw play because um, I was a very big proponent of something similar with like a Dragapult list where it threw energy counters on um, to, you know, kind of try to set up the evolutions. But it never really caught on and was very effective. Now, I, I get the premise of, you know, with Sableye late game, the evolution on an attack. Um, could help, but generally, I don't. I don't think that we're gonna see this see that much success overall. Yeah, the, the only part I see this being crazy in is is candy like rare candy decks. So uh, and this isn't like gonna hurt Gardevoir that much because you're gonna just yeah. put Krillia's is it just out. one Pokemon or is it? It many? is all of them. So this is where, like, I see things like if Charizard... Yeah, you the, just the put 60-60 and then de-evolve them both, and then no, they both not, go down. Not even... The, the thing is that you don't even have to do the damage right away, um, because just think of, like, how Charizard works. They don't usually don't run, like, a Charmeleon, or if it's, it is, it's one of them. Mm -hmm. But you can easily, like, go through three candies like by turn two and if you just throw this down and then de-evolve all of them back to basics like the Pidgey both Charizards back to Charmanders they can't do it again like they're out of like they're out of candies then then you just got to clean up these Charmanders that are doing 20 damage or um whatnot I mean yeah, there I might mean, still be an Arceus on the board that you'd have the more to you talk but, about this like I feel like it's a better late game card. It's not an early game card. It's definitely a no, no value out it, at the end of a game. I do think it it is a weird control-esque card that might be like for a controlly archetype where they, you know, are letting you do your thing. You, you are evolving. They're preventing you from maybe attacking, but you're moving the game along. And then they just, after you've candied out your Pokemon, they just evolve, devolve them. And then you're left with nothing that really can do a lot of attacks. So, I mean, there is merit there. We'll see. Um, uh, but yeah, it, only time will tell, I guess. Yeah. Um, all right. So for the news, uh, I'm going to wrap it up there. Um, okay. There was not much else that we didn't talk about that I wanted to go over because we hit all the other big cards that are coming out in 151 and everything. So um, these are these are much further down the line. Um, so. We will wrap up the news there and move in to your All next. Right. Yep. So I forgot to tell Michael about this one. Uh, it's a new segment that we've been doing since the beginning of the season, and that is our Triple P season watch. Uh, so we're basically just going to go over where we are currently in the points chase 
um, if you're making a world's push, you know, um, what the next challenge is, what decks that you're kind of thinking on, um, you know, in the in the very short term within the next like couple weeks. Um, so uh, we always start with Chuck. Uh, so, Chuck, uh, where are we at? Uh, what is what is this week looking like uh, and beyond that? Uh, so this week is looking like uh, a week that I'm just going to take a break mm-hmm. uh, after another uh, basically like challenging cup weekend of nothing, uh, no points to be gained. Uh, I am going to set down the Pokemon cards for a week, focus on family and such. Right. And then come back, refocus, because my next immediate thing is just, I think, Peoria, which is still a couple weeks away. But uh, just focusing on that, I am locking myself into a Lost Box deck. So, um, and I will find a MUEX at one point in time to throw into it. Um, just depending on what version I kind of will get there, but we're just gonna hone after after a week off. I'm just gonna hone hone the lost box skills. For sure, for sure. Um, yeah, I'm with this last weekend, Altoona. I got um, you know, I got another top four, uh, so another thirty two points, which is putting me currently at two hundred and sixteen out of six hundred still. Um, feel okay about it, but obviously I'm starting to get close to my max finishes. Um, and I don't think if I keep just having a bunch of 32s, it's going to be enough in the grand scheme after the full season. So, um, even though there are points on the board, there's still probably a lot of tournaments that I'm going to have to try to, uh, surpass that and just try to, you know, get the additional 16 point or the 18 points, to um, get that down to fifties, um, throughout the season, um, but that's not going to happen this week because um, this week is going to be a little bit light for me. Uh, my wife's going out of town for work. Um, I may still go to a, I still have a challenge potentially here on um, this weekend at Sports Car Junction. Um, but I would have to bring my son. Uh, so I'm really kind of basing it off of how he feels. Um, so if I have to take a break, it's cool because I uh, definitely want to spend some time with him as well. Um, it's going to be a nice um, weekend regardless of Pokemon. Um, but then obviously I think my main focus is just trying to hone in on a deck. Uh, I have two in mind for Peoria, um, but obviously 151 is going to affect that change or the choice. So we'll, it might not be any more points opportunities until Peoria. We'll see. Um, yeah, but that's where I'm sitting currently. Um, Michael, uh, how about you? Um, so Pittsburgh got me to 218 points. Um, I'm still looking pretty good for challenge and cup finishes. Yeah. I have, like, I think, two cup finishes and then three challenge finishes. So I have a challenge, I think, on next Wednesday. Okay. I don't know. Like, it's kind of hard to find stuff around Pittsburgh, especially, like, without a car. For sure. I, yeah, I mean, I for sure. Like, if there's ever one that you're interested in, um, and it, depending on the day uh, in the time frame, I, I'm more than willing to... Uh, to give you a ride there um, uh, if, if I'm going. Uh, but obviously, uh, life sometimes gets in the way of that. But no, you're still sitting in a really good spot um, uh, w- with, uh, what did you say, 218? Uh, plus, obviously, yeah. uh, you had a really good finish in a regional. So that actually sets you above where you don't have to worry about and you know trying to get many more big finishes. If you just go to a couple more regionals, I think you get you know, even just 30 points, I think you're in a really solid spot to to make that world's run. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I'm oh, sorry. No, no problem. problem. What was that? 
I'll probably be going to a Sacramento at least. There we go. Yeah, and that's that's coming up here. What when a couple or next week or so? That's before uh, Peoria. It, no, it's in like a month. I think. Okay. Okay. So Peoria is before that. Then I think it's bet- it's between yeah. Peoria and Toronto. I think right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, any deck that you're specifically, um, you know, looking at right now? You think 151 is going to change anything for you? I think I probably want to play something with a Mew in it because sure. Mew. I think Mew is a pretty dang good card. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll definitely get into that because I do want to talk a little bit about 151's, um, you know, effect on the meta. Uh, but before we get into that segment, I do want to kind of get into one other. Um, segment. I don't want to go like harp too too much on this, and we kind of talked about it with uh, your game against Tord, and just kind of j- just in general the the attention the, um, the the Twitter community on slow playing uh, is having, um, kind of on the game right now. Um, trying to you know not trying to throw anybody under the bus, just kind of where our game states are, because obviously we. Um, with your example, you know, you were playing toward and it went one game and it was never going to go to a second or even a third game um, just based off of that. And just with the meta decks, um, do you think that our our current rules, because I don't think there was any malintent, obviously, with uh, you or toward um, or or with any of these stream games that were were talked about. But do you think that the game the where we are with the game rules um, that it's a good enough resolve to be able to, I don't know, um, be able to finish three games, or do you think there needs to be changes? Are you happy with it? Um, I'm not. I'm not sure. So, Michael, I would like to see or hear what your thoughts are on the whole slow playing, uh, you know, topic. I think like being able to win game one and then just stall out game two is a bit iffy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the major um gripe is because they're you know i think and i'm not saying there was any intent but i think Tord is getting a little bit of heat because of that because he'll he'll play he's typically playing the, those guard of war decks he'll win that first game um and then just kind of not slow play but just kind of play at a, a reasonable pace uh but not rush any decisions or anything like that and it definitely it feels like the just the rule set allows for things like that to happen um where you know, a player like that is well within the rule set of, you know, what he should be doing. Um, but I don't know, it does kind of feel bad. And, and I have a couple examples from this weekend, uh, or one at least, um, where that kind of almost happened. And um, it puts players in an awkward position, I think. Yeah, definitely. Chuck, how about you? Did you how do you feel on, on this? Um, do you think you're okay with where the rules are? Do you think there needs to be some kind of clarity to encourage people to play faster or do you think we're good where we are um i don't i don't think we are good where we are but i don't really have a good answer for it because right um un- like where we are currently i believe a one player can lopsidedly take a lot of the time allotted for your game right um and still be playing at a reasonably a reasonable play, pace. Right. Um, I would, I, the only thing I ask for is that my opponent plays with a sense of urgency to play three games. Like they, like that is what I want out of my opponent. Um, I also think 
there's a lot of catch 22 out in the world as well uh, because uh, we see top players playing decks like Gardevoir or even Lost Box, for example, mm-hmm. um, which have a tremendous amount of decisions that are somewhat important and whatnot. And when you take take those and you boil them down to a local level, people want to play what's good. So they're going to play these decks, but they're not going to know the decisions. And so they're going to agonize over every little thing on what to do, where, here, and what. Right. And that causes them to play slower. And there's a ton of these decisions to do things. So like, I don't necessarily think that every deck is created with the uh, express mindset that um, are good for like every single player to get, get through a timed game. Mm-hmm. Um, I honest, my honest opinion, if you're playing a deck like Gardevoir or, or single prize deck of that nature, even when I play Sablezard, I think the onus is on you as a player, which I did always did to play faster because you are playing with a lot of more, a lot more interactions than your opponent may be playing. Right. You should, you should essentially take the same amount of time um, right. as your opponent. Whether... It's hard to balance that for sure. And like I have two examples, and these both ex- it, it kind of um, involved me on both sides. So at Pittsburgh Regionals, after my stream game, I was definitely mentally fatigued um, with that. And my next opponent was Andrew Hedrick. And and I was playing Lost Box, and there there were a couple decisions that I took longer. And I, I pride myself in thinking I'm a, a faster player. I'm not the fastest, um, but a pretty decently reasonable pace player. Um, but I was definitely going slow and I was frustrating myself more than anything. And I kept apologizing to him, especially afterwards. Um, but like there, there are those situations where like, I, I feel bad because like he won game two or he gave, he won game one. Um, I, it took longer. And I put the onus on myself on that one. Um, So in game two, he scooped really early because he had just like a mediocre start. And he's like, yeah, we need to finish this set. And I'm like, okay. So then the game three, you know, went to a reasonable pace and then, you know, he ended up winning it. Um, So I I feel like that also, you know, it's the onus on both players because I feel like a lot of people also with the time rules don't know when to scoop um, when it's looking bad. So that also can kind of... um, you know, play, play an effect on it. Um, and I don't know, there's no way to force somebody to like scoop or anything like that um, to try to like speed things along. But I also had one where I felt a little more awkward, more awkward this weekend, where I was at the cup at Altoona and I was playing, I don't remember the, the you know, the name of the player I was playing against, but she was um, not a seasoned player and very methodically going through. I won game one. It took way too long. Uh, because, you know, I'm not trying to rush her along. But then, you know, game two, I had a bricky start kind of like I was telling uh, for the Pittsburgh matchup. Um, I scooped like really fast because I like we need to get game three in because there was no way I was going to win that game. Um, and then it was coming down to like two minutes left and taking forever uh, again. And and, you know, I, I, I threw subtle friendly hints, but then I was also like at the end, I was like, can you please make a Pokemon move? Because I, there was like two minutes where like she wasn't making a decision. And then like, since then she was like very sour with me and I was not trying to be aggressive or anything, but it's like uh, that clock puts a lot of anxiety on players that want to finish it through. Um, And it it feels bad when you have to try to not necessarily call them out or be rude, like, but it it puts a weird interaction between player and player. When you try to tell somebody to hurry up, 
in, in a nice way, obviously. Um, I don't know. Do you guys have any feelings on that kind of interaction? I, I think for like newer players who have just never dealt with that before, it definitely just comes off the wrong way. Like even if you have like the best of intentions. Right. Yeah. yeah I think it, I've seen that happen multiple times. We're just like going to time and then like when you even just go to time, with a newer player, I think the timing rules just kind of stress them out in general, like um, because they're essentially just trying to like play the game and and win, but it's taking them longer because they're newer. Right. And I mean, in, in a local, I don't care as much, but like when there's like CP on the line and obviously I'm making a yeah. world's push, like I lost game game, you know, my game, my first match to a, you know, to um, Chris there and I, I needed to win out or at least, you know, go, 301 um and i'm looking at you know potentially uh tying and going you know 011 is like a horrible start to a tournament so um it puts a lot of weird onus on you know on both players but i i don't know it just feels weird i i feel like there needs to be something done within the rule set to make it a little bit more uh or a little less awkward between players um and having it you know higher percentage of games go, uh, not going to time and i feel like there's too many games that just kind of go to time and and also i want to i'm pretty sure not that you like said this but like and if anyone was thinking it like i'm pretty sure it's against the like rules of the game to be like i got this guy like just scoop like yeah yeah you like you never show, do that no no i never got do boss that. in hand like you can't win i don't think you are like allowed to do that like against the spirit of the game um so like you can't even like knowing that you're like sitting there and like they can't really do anything to mess you up and you have game in hand you can't really announce it you just said like you just want them to say pass or like do just get the turnover with saying right. like, right, game, i got game <laughs> yeah so i'm not like i said i'm not trying to harp on anybody uh everybody has you know their own pace of play i just i feel like pokemon and people smarter than you know myself uh please do something to to alleviate that kind of weird anxiety and stress um with with the time and, and i don't know i don't know what the solution is <laughs> i, I honestly, faster. <laughs> the, the the it's not even play faster i just I just wanted like as a f like a public service announcement like just if you play the game and you're playing in a competitive setting where usually points are on the line uh, and it's a best of three setting I just play with the urgency that you want to complete three games because if your opponent sees that you want to try and complete three games then it's usually not a big deal if like you still end up tying or something but like when you play with the like a, a when you play with that pace that just like I don't plan on playing three games then that's when it leaves salt like it can leave salt like people will get mad about it or something like that Yeah, there just needs to be a way to gently enforce that i guess but i don't know i don't want to harp too much on it i just know that there's you know that's it's a hot topic it's it's you know coming up in twitter right now so uh, if anybody has any ideas let us know um uh, for sure but uh with that being said let's get into our last topic um, of the cast today um, and that is the effect of 151 on our um, current meta um, there's a few decks that are you know at the top and i want to kind of get your guys's thoughts um, on those decks so first i want to you know the probably the most you know recent popular deck is uh Maridon. um with the additions of zapdos and mew uh, how do you think that that affects the deck uh negatively or positively just with uh you know where the rest of the meta is going to be i'll start with mike 
I've been thinking about this one a lot, like over the last two weeks, like after the Champions League. So I think Zapdos is just, Zapdos is bait. Like, sure, it did well, but I think it's just because of best of one. Like, you cannot be pulling that, like, Hollywood and Zapdos stuff off in a best of three, especially because people know about it now. I would tend to agree with that. Um, I know against, like, Lost Box, like, a, the, specifically any Lost Box variants against Maridon, I think it will be more annoying that you have to play Greninja, or I'm sorry, uh, Manaphy, just to protect from it. Uh, but you do against, you have to play Manaphy anyways against a lot of other decks. Um, so I yeah. don't really seeing that, seeing Zapdos being the end-all be-all. It, it, it is nice to give, give it, I guess, another option uh, to, for win conditions where you can punish a player if they don't play Manaphy or they prize it or something like that. Uh, I don't think it's going to be the end-all be-all to make Maridon like BBIF, um, but it's already a, a, you know, a solid deck. Um do you do you feel like uh, Mew affects it uh, positively or negatively just uh, in the meta? I think Mew is amazing for the deck. Mm -hmm. It like it gives it so many new options that it just never had. Like you needed Raichu to kill uh, Giratina, and now you don't need it. You needed um, you never had like an ability to really like bench snipe without say Magnezone. Now you have that, especially right. with, like a heavy boss count. Right, and you can a lot of people are playing the what the Zara Aura or the the Flying Pikachu V. For the free retreat, Mew does that as well. And if you have a dead hand, you can also like draw. So it gives you different attacking options, and it does you know it's a great pivot Pokemon as well. You don't even need those beach boards. I, I think the issue with that though is you need to have it on the bench to like accelerate to it with say like Dynamotor. Right. And yeah, that's I mean, also another issue is that like it's hard to accelerate to because you can't generator to it. Yeah, yeah, you can't generator to it. So it would be a little bit more difficult, but I still think it's even just the versatility there. I still think as a free retreater, I, I still feel like it probably goes in um, over those other two that we just talked about. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Chuck, you have any other uh, closing thoughts on a ride on Zapdos slash Mew? Um, I, I, the, the Zapdos is definitely like, can be, a really true like killer turn one like going second kind of thing like mm. uh if you could pull that off uh with you know the generators and such um but i don't see it being well after like it's definitely like a high roll like i want to do this zapdos play turn one right. i don't see it being useful after that like it could be a closer kind of thing but uh, not really um and then the Mew, for many, many reasons you guys already said, I could see it being in there. It's just how well can you accelerate to it? Like, can you get to the, like, three um, to make it reliable enough to use? Because yeah. that's, if that's the trick. If you don't put it down and, and get it to three, I don't think people let it stay there. So, for sure. Yeah. yeah. All right. So there are a couple other decks. Um, I think... Mew affects a lot of decks, but I want to talk now specifically about Garatina variants, either Arctina, which is probably already starting to die off, um, but Lostina, where, you know, obviously, Michael, you, you played the deck and had great success. We've seen plenty of um, Arctina or um, Lostinas um, make deep runs um, here in the last few months. Uh, do you feel that Mew, you kind of already mentioned it, where Mew can just kind of just take the return KO, um, depending on what deck it's playing, do you feel like that 
think that Mew is going to push down Garatina where it's almost unplayable anymore? Definitely not to the unplayable point, but I do think it's going to take like maybe a small hit, but it it will take a hit just because of how how much Mew like punishes it. Yeah, I mean, for like Turbo Box, um, that typically can't deal with a you know one shot to take down um, the Garatina. Uh, yeah. But it gives it an answer. It gives, um, you know, all these other decks. Uh, it can give Lugia an answer to it. it obviously, it already still kind of does, but just another um, variant to try to do that. Um, so, I mean, I feel like the, maybe Garatina, you know, obviously, it's probably BDIF currently. Um, I feel like it kind of drops down to maybe like the B tier just because there's so many more answers on a bunch of decks for it because... Yeah. It relied in the past where it couldn't get knocked out, but it's knocking you out. Now, now with Mew seemingly going to be in basically every deck, um, I feel like Garatina just might die a lot easier. Uh, and it doesn't have that tank ability where it used to. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Yeah, definitely in certain matchups. Um, yeah, when you put up the Tina and you take that lost impact or even like the Star Requiem attack uh, and things that can accelerate your energies out of nowhere. Like you are going to be worried right? just in general, whether your Tina is going to actually, because they just bring up Mu X, Mu X and, and lost impact it back. Like that it's hard to, that's not something you usually plan for happening uh, with Tina. Uh, usually kind of like plan on living at least one turn unless right. you went in with damage already. So for sure. And then we kind of talked about this earlier where we, we were getting to know Mike and with, you know, the worst deck and Lugia V-Star. Um, obviously, it's it's one of the top decks, top three currently. Uh, but with the addition of Mew, uh, being able to, to have more options, especially like I've done light testing, like late game, having a Mew for a free pivot um, and potentially getting out of weird Ionos or anything like that. You can always... Um, yeah, like typically late game, uh, as a Lugia player, you're trying to attach energies to something that you need to put down, um, and, but you don't have the pivot or the right amount of energy. So now you can have Mew get that free free retreat um, and then like pivot into like a, a, a Lugia or, or a Titar or something like that, where in the past you'd have to put up like a, an Archeops, attach an energy to it, retreat, and then maybe not have the right energy counts. Uh, so do you feel that... Mew might propel Lugia into even more meta percentage playing or, um, you know, being maybe BDIF again? It seems a bit awkward in single strike, just because you have, like, less of those non-single strike energies. But mm -hmm. in colorless, I think it definitely gives colorless a lot more viability. Yeah, I, I can see that. I mean, as a, as a backup attacker, I feel like it's it's okay. I don't think it's the main attacker in single strike. It's more for the pivot. But yeah, in in colorless, you're you're having so many different options. Yeah, yeah. I think it opens up Lugia to do something other than single strike a little bit more effectively um, than single strike. It just kind of may not you then open your up like yourself up to like weird clunky energy for anything even after using Mew EX or something like that, uh, it, it just could be hard to, it makes the energy management 
maybe even a little bit more complicated for you if you try and use it as an attacker. Right. Um, so, yeah, but I definitely see it in Lugia definitely being able to maybe open up, you know, more options for colorless or even um, a different variation altogether. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Um, another question I have uh, where I don't think that, that the card necessarily fits in there, but do you think um, that Mew VMAX, VVMAX, um, that deck will still see viability? Do you think Mew hurts it, helps it? Um, where do you feel that, you know, that the meta shift will, you know, affect Mew? I feel like the Charizard is definitely seeing an uptick, like as you see in Barcelona, but also like with a bunch of Carliazard showing up thanks to like, the Champions League. Mm -hmm. That's definitely going to hurt Mew. I don't think like Mew EX does anything to it really, because you can't copy anything other than like Technoblast, and you'd have to boss up a Genesec to do that. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it would definitely be a Genesec. Like you, you'd have to probably go down the prize route of 2 2 2 instead of like a 3 2 1 or, or something to that effect. So, I tend to agree where I don't think it really hurts or helps uh, Mu V Max at all um, in, in the meta right now. Um, another deck, now I'm blanking on it. Um, you talked about the Charizard. Do you feel that um, Charizard will see more of an uptick because of this maybe as a consistency play? Because um, obviously you can you evolve and in, in accelerate into Mu which opens up plays. Do you feel like it's an it's an auto inclusion into like any kind of Charizard deck? Um maybe cuz well no, I think the biggest issue with Charizard still is that you just can't hit those like early game numbers. And mm. I don't know if you like really helps with that. But on the other hand, like you can use it to like take say like Greninja something and then let it die and then you're suddenly your damage is like fine. So maybe that could work. Right. And, and you said Greninja, so um like a lot like basically every deck um uh, that is playing a radiant is playing a Greninja for one reason or another if it's attacker or not um do you feel with you know how popular radiant Greninja is that you almost every deck needs to play a manaphy to or any single prize deck needs to play a manaphy um against like almost every matchup spread just because of this uh do you do you think that that changes like uh your you know, maybe a deck decision because you're like, oh, well, now I have to worry about um, sniping um, or even like a Sableye or, or a play in a Lost Box versus, you know, something that's not Lost Box. Uh, do you feel like Mew kind of hurts just Lost Box variants in general because um, Manaphy and Sableye? <laughs> or I'm sorry, uh, Greninja and Sableye? I guess, like... You probably don't. Um, yeah, because you don't have to worry about the ten in the loss zone. That that yeah, that's what, yeah. So maybe not maybe not say why as I think that through. <laughs> well, you do have to worry about Greninja pretty much like every. There's a lot of decks that play Greninja, so if you're playing it, you probably have. I don't know if you're if you're already weak to like, like Lost Box is is weak to being uh, susceptible to a Greninja attack or something like that. Most decks are already playing the Manaphy. I think the onus is just going to be on uh, on it to get it out early. Um, it's going to be more cognizant to do. Um, but it all depends on, you know, you also have to kind of weigh your opponent's options of being able to 
uh, Gus the Greninja. So, like, Greninja's probably never going to be the guy that you throw up into the active anymore just to retreat. Like, right. Yeah. But uh, you have to weigh your opponent's option to be able to Gus the Greninja and get three energy on a Mew in the same turn. So, um, yeah. Uh, it that's, opens that's up that's definitely really, like, different avenues it, of give and take. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, it's going to be a crazy avenue for a lot of different decks to take. Uh, you know, uh, Gardevoir can actually do a Greninja attack now. Uh, right. Yeah, and, and Gardevoir, how do you feel that uh, Gardevoir, uh, Mew's effect on Gardevoir? Probably positive, right? It gives it a free retreater. Um, psychic, so it, it definitely can get uh, accelerated to... Uh, it opens up so many plays against whatever the matchup is, and obviously just a consistency card in a deck uh, like that. Do you feel Gardevoir will see a uptick in play? Mew, Mew and Gardevoir is like a 50-50 for me. Because on one hand, like of course, there's so much synergy with like the pivot and like being able to psychic embrace to it. But mm -hmm. on the other hand, like it goes against Gardevoir's play style of like going one prize. Yeah, that, that was just that's true. That's like, true. I mean... It, it, it fits in so well, except for the simple fact that it it is two prize it is a two prize card. Yeah. Um, so the liability that it might cost them by using that as an attack, I do think you might throw it in as a Gardevoir player for the turn that you can, uh, you know, you get that early game, uh, rare candy Gardevoir EX. Uh, you have the Fog Crystal. They have a Greninja on the board. And you can do the Greninja play. I think that just buy like I think that puts you so far ahead that it doesn't yeah. matter if they they take the knockout back. Um, I think it's in there just so you can do that play, but then it'll probably get refinement refined out if it doesn't. Like, yeah, I mean, I tend to agree, and I it's a valid point putting a, a multi prizer up there. Um, but I mean, we've seen decks like you know Turbo Loss Zone uh, play two two prizers for specific matchups. Um, so as a one of tech, I think it's still pretty comfortable that you can put it in there. And you you even see Gardevoir playing, um, you know, the Zacians to be able to attack. So, I mean, it's not unheard of that you couldn't just put another one in there just for specific matchups. And you definitely like if it's a matchup that doesn't make sense to put them in, you definitely refine him, refinement him away um, and still have like a full bench and not technically have to worry about um, Echoing Horn or anything like that. I do think it helps against the Lost Box matchup a bit, because um, you can, yeah, you can kind of just ruin their setup. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, it's it does so many things where it it you never had to worry about putting Manaphy down, so now you're taking away their consistency uh, because now you're you know less comfies or anything like that. And then plus the snipe, plus just the the pivot. So I mean, yeah, there's so many different like uses for Mew. I think we could talk all day about just Mew uh, EX in general, but. Uh, um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a, a, I think that one card is going to have a pretty good effect on the, on the meta, um, for a lot of different decks. This is definitely the one to get from 151. Yeah. Maybe I think yeah. sought after. For sure. Um, so probably, uh, the last archetype I want to talk about, and it's probably not good overall, uh, but I want Mike's opinion on it is the Alakazam, uh, EX. Um, with, you know, combination, there's so many different things you could potentially play, like Klefki's, Block Snorlaxes, um, Empoleons, things of that nature. Do you you find that there's any viability um, to a deck like that uh, in the current meta? 
So funnily enough, I talked to a friend about like the block Snorlax idea and like, it sounds good in theory until you realize that like it goes against the idea of the deck. Like you want to trap something in the active, right? With Snorlax, mm -hmm. then you're just killing it and then letting them switch into something else. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, there may be, um, maybe, I mean, yeah, that's a good point on that, but like maybe Klefki, um, like having multiples out there and then like, like a lost box could just never deal with it unless they boss something up. Um, currently, uh, they, they play a couple bosses and some ropes, but if you get two down, it, it could play some havoc. So it could probably have success against like a lost box deck. Um, but beyond that, against like some of the bigger decks, um, yeah. I feel like it will just pretty much struggle. So um, I, I don't think that there's probably that much viability to the deck, but at least it's another archetype out there. If you really want to beat Lost Box, like, <laughs> go for it. Right. <laughs> then everybody will just play Lugia. <laughs> yeah, I think the I think with that card, the meta has to narrow down a little bit more mm -hmm. so that you can build the deck to effectively wall off whatever your opponents can do, like whatever the big decks are doing in the format, like whether it's Block Snorlax or, or Clef Key or even just a Mimikyu um, in the active so that you don't care that they even attack you. Like, obviously they could boss still, but like we get around, like if you can get around that somehow. Right. But then I think Alakazam can find a home in, in, in a deck like that to um effectively pick off Pokemon that might hurt the wall like that you built or stymie like a, a like a Bibarel draw engine that would help you get out of a constant barrage of judges and Ionos that deck that I think this deck would probably do. Um things like that. Right. So yeah we'll see. I mean it's, it'll be interesting. Um I'm sure there'll be a couple that pop up uh throughout the next couple of regionals uh whenever it's live um just to see you know people trying to prove the deck. Um but yeah I mean I think 151's effect um overall as a card pool probably not super effective except for Mew EX like we said. So um interested to see though. I think that it opens up a lot of different avenues. Um, but with that being said, I think that's going to about do it for us. Uh, before we go, uh, Michael, it's your time to shine. Do you have any shout outs, plugs, or anything like that? Any socials that you want to uh, get out there? Um, Yeah, I'm, I'll shout out the Pittsburgh Pokemon community. You guys are like awesome. It, I mean, it's you guys that got me back into the game, really. Oh, thank you. That means a lot. <laughs> um, um, yeah, my Twitter's. Uh, OUPAS327 if you want to follow me over there. Yeah, for sure. That um definitely I I I'm looking forward to seeing how the season goes. Uh you know, obviously a lot of local Pittsburgh people, but obviously you're off to a great start. Um right. you're in a really good position. And I want to see your world's run and I I hope to see you in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, you too, man. For sure. All right, Chuck, do you have anything else before we get out of here? Uh no, I will make sure that Michael's Twitter is in our show notes in case you are lazy and want to click a nice and easy click to follow. Uh, so that'll be there. But otherwise, that is all. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for hanging out till the end. And we'll see you guys next week. 
thanks again for listening to the Pittsburgh Pokemon podcast. Uh, if, as always, if you could do us and future listeners a favor and leave us a like, a rating, or a review on whatever your podcast platform of choice is, it goes a long way to helping out the pod. Plus, Jake, where can you reach us directly? Yeah, you can get me at Pinucks1 on Twitter, as well as Chuck at WatchWimsy. You can also reach us on Twitter for the whole Pittsburgh Pokemon podcast at PitPokeyPod. Thanks again, guys and gals. We will see you all next time. See you later.